Thank you, ladies, so very much for that beautiful song and beautiful reminder this morning. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? Book of Hebrews. And uh, let's, let's go to chapter 11, the faith chapter. You know, one of the things that I've observed about uh, the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day is oftentimes on Mother's Day we, we talk about how wonderful our moms are and then on Father's Day we really hit the guys and tell them how much they got to work on. Now I think that the reason for that is is that uh, oftentimes, most often, the pastor is, is a man. And, uh, you know, we tend to be hard on ourselves. And there's much that we'd like to do better. There's much that we'd like to improve on, and um, I know that I want to be a better father. I know that I do. And so I try very hard as a pastor to, to be, bring some balance to that, to, on Mother's Day to praise our mothers while also encouraging our mothers to, to uh, exemplify Christ, and, and I try to do that again with fathers but as I was thinking about Father's Day and I was thinking about our role, one verse of scripture I just couldn't get away from because I believe it's the heartbeat of every father. And if there was, if there's any one thing that we as Christian fathers want to do, is do what Noah did. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And now I'm going to change one word, from, if you're reading the King James, it'll do no violence to the scriptures. I have, I have checked, I have found that I can make this word change and be consistent with the Greek. So nobody, there, please, uh, if, if, uh, do not feel like any violence is being done. But I think it'll help us a little bit, in a little bit in our, our modern day language, and I'll just change one word. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his family, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And I'd like to use that, that, say, that just that, that, that four words, Five words, the saving of his family. The saving of his family. Father, we need your help this morning. Touch us one more time. That we might not only challenge, but also that we'd encourage every father here that we would be following the footsteps of Noah that we would save our families. We ask these things in your precious name. And you may be seated. You know, I think that when I was a young person, I had this view that my pastor was the expert. He knew all about everything he was preaching about. He, you know, he knew all about God's word, and he knew... You know, come Father's Day, that he was perfect as a father, and 
you know, I just, I just kind of viewed my pastor as a young person as, as a, you know, the, a great example. And I'm thankful that he was a good example. I'm thankful that, that the pastor that God, the pastors that I had as a young person, that they were wonderful examples. But I have to tell you this morning that I don't feel like the expert. As I read this verse this week and realized that Noah saved his family. And that's what I want to do. And You know, I, I went to school and I have a degree and, and I even worked for five years telling parents how to raise their kids. Isn't that a great job? But I'm going to just be honest this this morning, I, I just don't feel like an expert. There's one thing to, to get a child to do what you want them to do when, when they're young, but it's a whole other thing when they're older. The Bible tells us that Japheth, the oldest, was 100 years old when he got on the ark. Shem, the second oldest, was 98 years old. And we don't know how old Ham was when he got on the ark, but he was the youngest. We're not quite sure how old he was. But, but I would say that it would probably be safe to say he was in his 90s, at his 80s, at the youngest. These are men who are old enough to make their own decisions. And I know time worked a little different in those days. Noah didn't even start having children until he was 500 years old which might be something I would recommend to my own children, except for they might not live quite as long as Noah did. <laughs> Japheth, as he's the oldest, they didn't have it. he didn't have any children. None of them had any children of the, of the three boys and their wives. So I know that biologically speaking, things were different before the flood. But certainly by 100 years old, even, uh, even though they were, their lifetimes were different, I would, I would suggest that by 100 years old, they pretty well were able to do what they wanted to do. And if they didn't want to get on that ark, they weren't getting on the ark. And I wonder, I really did, I wonder what was it that Noah did, what did he have, what did he possess, what did he exemplify, what was, the, what was the one thing that set Noah apart in the saving of his family. And I believe that God revealed to me the one thing, the one thing that set him apart, and it was this, the consistency of his convictions the consistency of his convictions. Those boys grew up from the time that they, they first remembered, from the time that they could crawl, they, were, they grew up hearing the story of how God spoke to their father. How God had said to, the, to him, 
that there's going to be rain, that there's going to be a flood. And, and, and uh, they grew up with, as long as they could remember, seeing an ark being built. Probably from the time they were able to pick up a hammer, they were out there. Maybe they were more trouble than, than help some days. And I wonder how many boards were cut wrong and how many times that, that parts had to be taken apart from the ark and had to be redone. and Just kind of think about those years. According to answers in Genesis, they've, they've run the math and, and they believe that it took between 70 and 75 years to build the ark. These kids grew up so if it took 70, 75 years, Japheth was only 25 when it started. 23, perhaps. For I don't know. I don't know how they worked biologically. That's if, that's if Answers in Genesis is right and how long it took. Could have, maybe it taken longer. Maybe it took the full 100 years. Maybe that's all Japheth ever knew. I don't know. I don't, I, I, we, there's so much that we try to, to pit, put, uh, put together based on uh, the ages and things that God gives us a little bit of hints at. But however long it took and however old they were when, when Noah started working, and it, one thing that was true is that Noah stayed consistent. He stayed consistent. One of the examples of this was that he stayed consistent in his righteousness. You know they lived in a world worse than ours? That's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard for me to, to believe that, that they lived in a world more wicked than ours. I remember the, on the very day, we were, we were at camp meeting of all places, when we found out that we were going to have our first child. That's, I guess that's a good place, a good place to get blessed is on, camp, on the campgrounds. We were pretty excited about it. And on the same day, the very day that we found out that God was going to bless us with, with a child, and of course we didn't know it would be Dennis, we didn't know it would be a son, but on that day, one of the preacher's wives came to us and said, I'm glad I'm not raising children in this day and age. Man, I was, that's encouraging, isn't it? Wow. I mean, you get, your, get the news that the baby's coming. You're going you're gonna to be a dad for the first time. And, and uh, whoo, you know, this is exciting. And, and uh, all the changes. And, uh, you know, that of course, there's some fear. You know, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to be responsible for this life. I mean, you've got all these things going through your head. And here comes this dear mother in Israel. Glad I'm not raising kids in this day. Do you know what? In that moment, at that very moment, God the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I'm the same God. I'm the same God. And in the and let's just be honest, in the last 14, 15 years, our world has spiraled morally. 
Things that we never thought even just 15 years ago would have been the case. Now it's celebrated openly. I remember, I remember when the last president said that he did not support gay marriage. And now we've got a whole month to celebrate it. Now, listen, I'm not picking on homosexuality. I'm just trying to help us understand that's the, the moral decay in 15 years. We went from, as a nation, we could, a president spoke, even the Democrat president spoke out against it, where in turnaround, and now we have a whole month to celebrate it. It's a huge contrast. 15 years, that's fast. It's fast. But Noah's day is more wicked than today's because the Bible says that Noah was perfect in his generations. God picked Noah out. Now I believe, I believe that his, his father was faithful. His father passed away before the flood. And his grandfather, Methuselah, I believe he was faithful. In fact, he, as we understand it, he died in the same year of the flood, but didn't die in the flood because his was a prophecy that when he died that God would bring judgment. Different ones have done research and they believe that Methuselah may have died just before the flood, just maybe days or maybe weeks before the flood. Is it any wonder he was the longest to live? God showing his grace and his mercy, extending as long as possible judgment in a world that was so wicked. That time Methuselah passed away, there was only eight souls interested in getting on the ark. Eight souls. I don't know... I don't know how you are righteous in a world where no one's righteous. Can you imagine? Noah's got to go to, uh, maybe he's going to plant a, his uh, fields and, and he goes to the place to buy seed and, and you know, he, he knows that when he goes there that he's going to get ripped off. He knows he's going to get ripped off because that's exactly the world they lived in. And when he ordered a pound of seed, he knew that he was going to get probably 14.5 ounces. He wasn't going to get a pound. And they knew that, that when they would, that they would set up the scales, that, that they would have unfair weights. Just to rip them off just a little bit. And he'd go down perhaps to the lumber yard. He needed, needed some lumber for the ark. And he would know full well that when he ordered the lumber, he's going to get ripped off. I don't know if Noah had, the, had hired people to help him build the ark. I wonder if he did. Answers in Genesis and sight and sound both indicate they think that he hired people to help him. I wonder how many people cheated on their time card. Probably all of them. 
They're a wicked world. The Bible says that their imaginations were evil. They keep thinking up ways they could do evil and be wicked and cheat. Do you know how hard it is to be righteous when everybody else isn't? And to stay righteous? You know what the temptation is? I know they're cheating me, so I've got to cheat them back to balance it out. So that I can make sure I get my share. And day in and day out, these three boys saw a father who was consistently righteous, even when it was hard. You know, in Sunday school class, Doyle was saying that he was people watching. He was watching in stores, guys were ogling the ladies. Do you know what that tells our boys? Tells our boys that righteousness is for church. It's not for at home and it's not at the store. I had a, a holiness man as a young person. I was a young person. As a young person, I, wasn't, I hadn't gone to Bible college yet. As a young person, a holiness man said, it was all right to look at the menu so long as I didn't order as a married man. I wasn't married, but he was. He said it was all right for him to look at the menu so long as he didn't order. Do you know what he's teaching his children? Righteousness has no place outside of these four walls. And do you know that if we as men are going to be men of conviction but we're inconsistent, our children will see that inconsistency and they will be turned off by it. Our children and our young people are not interested in a faith that cost us nothing. In fact, if, if we are, are teaching our young people, we're teaching our children that our faith works for us, it serves us rather than we serving God. Do you know what will happen? Is when God gives them their first no, they will be disappointed in our God because they thought God was this great grandpa who, who just doles out candy and, and blessings and all these things and, 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 and God isn't a God that is our father who disciplines and says no and, and shows us the right way and is a lot more like a father than a grandpa. But when we are inconsistent in our righteousness and we are conveying that our faith serves us They'll be disappointed and walk away. I have a friend, he's a pastor. He's struggling right now on, what, on his stand on homosexual marriage. He's struggling right this moment, even today. And do you know why? Because it's costing him something. His son has seen the inconsistencies in the church the sin that it's overlooked, the things that are okay, that the Bible says are wrong. And this is what his son told him. There's more love in the gay community than there is in the church. 
And so this father, this pastor, is wavering on his convictions because his faith might cost him something. I've tried to tell him. I've, I've tried to encourage him. I've tried to tell him. Your son wants to see you strong in your convictions. He wants to see consistency. He wants to see that, that even when it costs you something, that you still will be righteous. And when all the world says, you know what, we're looking for a church that, that is like us. You know what, folks? A world that, that likes the church and loves the church is a church that doesn't please God. Because Jesus said this. He said that like him, we would be despised. And if the world doesn't, it just finds us just a wonderful place. Listen, I want, I want people to come in here and be loved. I want people to come in here and I want them to realize that, that we care about them and this is, a, this is a wonderful place to be. But I also want them to understand that this is a place that does not apologize for following God's word. And we're not trying to please the world. Who sets our thermostat? Who sets our thermostat? Does the world set our thermostat or does God set it? Say the fire's gone out of the church. I wonder if it's because well, there's been just too much of the world setting our thermostat and there's no fire in the furnace anymore. Because they want a cool church. And that was an unintended pun. Noah walked consistently righteous when very few and to the place of no one else was walking righteous and it cost him something. His consistency attracted his boys. I find also, as I, I looked at Noah, I see a man who was consistent in his values. What are your values? I'm just going to let you in on a secret. This board meeting that we're having on Saturday is to determine our church's values. You know, a lot of the problem is, is that we have all these values that we say we have and we think we have, but we don't live out. But, and one of the big problems with that is, is because we never articulate them. We never, we never write them down. And, and when we make our decisions, run our decisions through that set of values. I appreciated... One of the Peterson girls, I don't remember which one it was, but Wednesday they shared about the, uh, the um, youth camp that they attended, and my boys did as well. But one of the girls mentioned that, that Brother Becker had gave them questions to ask on whether something is right or whether they should do something or not. And she ran through, I think, about ten questions. You know what 
Brother Becker was trying to teach those young people, he was trying to teach them, live according to your values. Live according to your values. Don't say you value something and then do the opposite. One of my values is that I don't like to waste God's money. That's one of my values. I am very, very conscious, very, very conscious about lights being left on in the parsonage. And my boys will attest. You know, someone should give a dad a dollar every time he says, turn off the lights. <laughs> You say, why are you so, why are you so picky on that? As it's, you're not paying the bill. I'm picky on it because God's money is paying that bill. You all work hard and you all labor and you give to the church. And I don't want to waste God's money with lights being on. Now, you might drive by and see a light left on. And when I get home and I see that the light was left on, someone's going to hear about it in my household. Just so you know, whoever it was, not saying that dad has always been perfect in that, not always blaming the kids. Sometimes I have done it, and I've gone back and go, oh, I was the last one out this time. Missed that one. But what I'm trying to say, that's a value I have. And when we were talking about the VBS, one of the things that I said to the board is I said, I don't want to have VBS just to have it and spend all that money and all those resources on it and have no intention of having the, some of those children stay and become a part of our church. That was what I communicated to the board. Now, I'm not promising that we'll have any kids come. I don't know what God's going to allow, but in my heart of hearts, I don't want to waste God's money so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, we had VBS this year. If our goal isn't to get children saved, then it's a waste of money. Now, I'm not saying, again, don't hold me, don't say, Pastor, we didn't get any, should we quit having VBSs? I'm not saying that. Maybe we need to reevaluate our methods. Maybe we need to reevaluate, hey, uh, how we do some things to make sure that maybe we can do better next year. But what I'm just trying to help us understand is, is when we live consistently by our values, our children know. And your dad had things that he said. You could, right now, you can remember some of the Proverbs, some of the things that he said. Some of those important things that, that he would tell you. My father always said, where there's smoke, there's fire. He was trying to let me know a value. I can't remember how many times. I was only 10 when he passed away, but I can't remember how many times that food on the plate, and he'd say, waste not, want not. Over and over and over. He didn't want us to be wasteful. And that was a value to him. And now I have that value. I don't want to waste God's money. I don't waste mine either. But I'm very, very careful. Because even at 10 years old, losing my father, there's been a value that my father lived consistently 
that He passed down and put into my heart. And I can't get away from it. And I don't want to. I didn't see my father wasting things. He lived by that value over and over. My mom was not a Christian. Dad, dad was. He took us to church all, every Sunday all by himself. What dad in his right mind takes three boys every Sunday to church all by himself? And I remember my youngest brother was born. He's a baby in diapers. And here comes dad with a diaper bag and bottles to church. And dad thought it was important enough that a baby who would never remember that service and never ever recall that, that his dad would, took him into the, into the sanctuary at that young of an age, he felt it was important not to leave him home with his mother, but that he'd be in church. You ask me why, how a, a man who died with a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old that are both now preachers when the mom isn't saved. I'll tell you why. Because he valued the house of the Lord. He lived it consistently, even when he could have said, Justin's only a baby, he won't know. When he turns three, when he turns four, we'll start taking him. When, he's, when he gets potty trained, then I'll start taking him to church. I'm just trying to help us understand that Noah was consistent in his convictions concerning his values. How do you know that? You've talked about that, but you didn't show us in Scripture. What's Noah doing? He's spending 75 years building a boat. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, he's got to still provide for his family. He's still got to go to work. He's still got to plant the fields. He's still got to do all the things that everyone else has to do. He still has Sabbath day that he's got to have. You say, it was before the Sabbath day was established. I believe God established many of those things long before the Ten Commandments. God had sent prophets and different ones. They knew how to serve God if they wanted to. And I believe there was a Sabbath day that Noah kept every week. And here he is, coming in from a long day, at, perhaps in the fields. Got a couple hours of daylight. I'm going to go out and work on the boat. Do you know what? The children saw that. Dad values hard work. And when Sabbath day came around, and it was a good day for working, and Dad says, you know what, it's time to have family altar. It's time to, Grandpa Methuselah is going to share from us what God has for us today. And we're not going to go to work on the boat. We're not going to go saw logs. We're not going to go and hammer nails. And we're not going to go and labor, but we're going to worship God. I wonder if one of the boys said, Dad, you said that it's going to rain and God's going to bring judgment. What if we don't get the boat built in time? You know, maybe we ought to work on 
maybe we ought to work today because, you know, it's a, it, it, we, the, the rain's coming, Dad. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. You know, maybe we better hurry it up on this, on this boat. Noah says, we're going to honor God first. I believe he'll hold off the rain until we get, this, get done what we need to get done. Noah was a man of values, and he lived them out. Dads, if we're going to save our families, we're going to have to know our values, and we're going to have to live them. Every day, even when it costs us something. It might cost us a promotion at work. Maybe it's gonna, we're going to give, and we're going to give when it, and it hurts, and we don't get that boat that we were wanting to buy, or whatever it might be. Do you know what your values are? Do you really know what your values are? And do you live them, no matter the cost? Finally, I would suggest to us that Noah consistently lived where his faith was exemplified by obedience. His faith was exemplified by obedience. You look there in, in Hebrews chapter 11, and what does he say? That by faith, he was warned of God, and he was moved by fear. And he built the ark. His faith resulted in obedience. Consistently. It wasn't, you know, I, I believe God, but, you know, I think God, God understands we're humans and, and He'll overlook this. Oh, we, we know, you know, that, that God is, you know, that, that God said no to this, but, you know, uh, every once in a while it's okay. For Noah, his faith equaled obedience. You know, I just don't understand a faith that doesn't believe that obedience is necessary. When I believe in something, it changes my actions. It changes my actions. If you believe in the stock market, you really believe in it, you've got money there. If you don't believe in it, you don't have your money there. Your faith affects your actions. If you believe in a certain company, a certain product, you buy that product every single time you go to the store. You don't mess around with other brands. My wife's lately been messing around with some, some brands with our spaghetti sauce, and I don't know why she's doing it. We had a good thing going, dear. She likes to experiment, and that's fine. I, I'm not trying to criticize her this morning, but I'm just trying to help us understand I had confidence in what we had at first. And now we sit down to eat spaghetti, and it's a new brand, and I don't have confidence in it. Yeah, she's probably saving money. I think she's trying to get me to be, eat healthier, but that... I don't know why healthy tastes like cardboard. <laughs> Sounds like I'm picking on her this morning and I'm not trying to. What I'm just trying to help us understand is when you have faith in something, some of you buy the same brand of vehicle every single time. 
Some of you are Ford guys. You buy Ford, you've always bought Ford, you'll die in a Ford. You have no other... The, the, the other uh, manufacturers don't even exist in your mind. When you see someone driving one of those, you feel bad for them. And some of you wouldn't be caught dead in a Ford. You hope that, 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 that when they roll your body out, that the funeral home does not have a Ford vehicle. You believe in whatever your brand is. Now, I know that's humorous, but it changes your behavior. If you love Fords, you buy Fords. If you hate Fords, you don't buy them. It's just the way it is. It's not just brand loyalty. It's faith. I owned a Ford one time. It broke down in six months. Never mind that it was 20 years old when you bought it, but hey... I'll never own a Ford again. Someone else. I've never had a more reliable vehicle. I just love it. My father-in-law was in love with Buicks. He bought Buicks until... I, he bought them until he ran them to the ground. He just loved Buicks. It, it seemed like every year he was buying a new Buick. Not a brand new Buick, but a different Buick. He just loved Buicks. That was his brand. Whether it's a food product, whether it's a vehicle, whatever it is, you have a brand. You have something that you have faith and confidence in. You go back to that same brand every time. Because you believe in it. It changes your behavior. How is it possible then that we can say that we have faith in God, but it doesn't change our behavior? It doesn't make sense. Noah's being warned of God it's going to rain. He's never seen rain. How do you... Water falling from the sky? You mean like from a hose? It doesn't make sense. I don't even know if they had cloud cover in those days. I don't know how the, the water cycle worked. It's going to be clouds. What are, what, what, how does water fall from the sky? You and I, we've grown up with that. We've all, we've, that's all we've ever known. But, but when, can you imagine this, this morning that, that you'd go home and you'd hear a weather report? We have the expectation that balls of fire are going to fall from the sky. It has, as far as I've ever known, I've never seen fire fall from the sky. That would freak me out. Water's going to fall from the sky and it's going to flood and, and destroy everything. How do you understand that? I don't think Noah did understand it. I don't think Noah had any comprehension of what it was going to be. Perhaps he'd seen flooding before. Perhaps he'd seen 
Perhaps, I don't know, I don't know how it would flood, but maybe he'd seen flooding. And here it's going to be the whole world. I don't think he had got a, a good understanding. And you know what? If we're real honest, I think we have a hard time imagining what it must be that the, water's, uh, uh, the water is so high that it's covered the highest mountains. That's strange thinking. I don't know how, I, how it worked. I don't understand it. But this I know. If God said it, it's going to change my behavior. You know what? Let me just speak to our young people just for a little bit. There's a lot of things that I can't explain in God's Word. I do my very best to be able to understand our convictions and understand why we believe the way that we believe. But there are some times that I have to just say, I don't really understand. Amen. There's some things that I do my best to be able to explain, and, and yet there's some things I just really don't know. And you know, I'll go to the commentaries, and it's real encouraging when the commentator says, this is a really hard verse to understand, and I'm not sure we understand it. Thanks, Adam Clark. You're supposed to know everything. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll read through in preparation of a message, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve common, different commentators to try to get it, and you know what? They don't all agree. And you know, I think sometimes our, we live in a, uh, because we live in an information age, that it's hard for us to live in the not knowing. But young people, dads, moms, whether we understand it or not, our faith brings obedience. For Noah, 75 years. I wonder... Dean, I really do. Did God ever reassure Jonah on the journey? Or Noah? Did he ever say to Noah, you know, Noah, um, I just want you to know, I, it's been 20 years since I last talked to you, I just want you to know the rain's still coming. Keep building. You know, I think after, after a little while, every so often, I just need some reassurances. I mean, when all your neighbors are laughing at you, when everybody says you're crazy, you know, I think after a little while, I'd start wondering if I was crazy too. There's Noah. He, he hears voices in his head. He, sa he thinks water's going to fall from the sky. <laughs> you know what? They're doing it to us today. You know, you have a discussion with an atheist. I've done it just recently. They don't have any evidence or proof of atheism. You know what they do? They talk down to us and they use superiority language like, yeah, I don't believe in a fairy tale in the sky. Most of your atheists don't have any evidence. And whatever they use as evidence, especially some of the stuff in evolution and the Big Bang Theory, scientists are rejecting now. And some of the things in our textbooks that are being taught in our high schools and our colleges about evolution, that have, some of that stuff that's still being taught to our kids, 
Evolutionists have said that stuff has been disproven for 50, 75 years, but the textbooks won't change it because they're indoctrinating our kids. But your, your upper level, your doctorates in biology, even the ones that believe in evolution, the, the, the things that they're teaching the kids aren't right. I can't explain everything. But they talk down to us. You hear voices in your head? Wasn't it just a couple months ago one of the ladies on The View made mockery of was it Vice President Pence because he heard from God? Now, I hope nobody watches The View. Or any of that nonsense. Because it's poisoning the souls and hearts of people. Because, not because they have evidence, but because they mock. Do you know what? When you're mocked, it's hard to hold on to your faith and walk in obedience. And if there's ever been a time that Christianity has been mocked, it's today. Believe in science. Believe in science. You know what's amazing about science? It says science changes their views every few years. This was right. This is right. This is right. Oh, science has proven it's not right. This is now right. This is now right. Do you know Albert Einstein? He refused. His mathematics proved that the universe had a beginning. And he refused to believe it, so he created mathematical I don't, I, consistency. So he created where the universe was always constant because he believed that a beginning to the universe pointed to a creator. And in, and in Einstein's lifetime, he had to go and visit Hubble, who has, in his telescope, discovered redshift that proved beyond all shadow of a doubt the universe had a beginning. And Einstein said it was one of my greatest mistakes. My math proved to me that the universe had a beginning, but I didn't want to believe it because I didn't want to point to a creator. And now you know what? The Big Bang, the fact that the universe had a beginning somehow proves that God isn't true. Science changes. God's word doesn't. And that's one of the reasons that I hold to God's word. What science teaches today, it will be wrong tomorrow. You don't believe me? I'll tell you what. Go look back at all the uh, just on how we were supposed to lay our babies to prevent SIDS. My mother jumped all over my back for, for Dennis because I had him, I think, on his back. I think that was the, what they were when, back when Dennis was a baby. We had him on his back. No, when she, she had me, it was on your stomach. You're supposed to be on the stomach. I said, no, Mom, the, the science has changed. It's on, it's on their back now. And you know what's going to happen probably in another few years? It'll be on your stomach again. And no, it'll be on the side. And no, it'll be this and it'll be that. Science just keeps changing, but God's word doesn't change. It's consistent. And if we'll walk in faith, we live it out in obedience. Whether we're mocked, whether science changes, no matter what this world has to offer, no matter how much they tell us that it's a fairy tale, we just keep walking consistently. Do you know what? I can't promise. I can't promise this morning that you live consistently, that your kids will serve God. 
I can't promise you this morning that if you do everything right, and perhaps some of you would even suggest, say this, this morning, I did everything wrong. I didn't do it right. I want to tell you something. There's never been a better time to start than now. Say, my kids are raised. Start now. You say, I... Blown it. Welcome to the club. I think every dad here say we've blown it. But we just keep walking consistently. I want to be the kind of person that my kids want to be like when they get older. And even after they're grown, and whether they choose this way or not, listen, I'm not changing for them. You know, I get tired, I get sick and tired of, honestly, of holiness parents who change because their kids changed. What's wrong, what's wrong when, when other ki- people's kids did it is still wrong when your kids do it. Are we going to walk consistently or are we going to be wishy-washy in our faith? If we're wishy-washy, they're not going to have any confidence in it. Noah was consistent. You say, wait a minute, preacher. Don't forget about what happened afterwards. Remember that, that Ham, that Ham blew it. Ham got cursed. Yeah? Do you know what happened? Why? Noah was inconsistent. Now, it may have been that there wasn't al- alcohol before the flood. Maybe Noah did it in ignorance. I don't know. But there was an inconsistency. Before there ever was a fall, there's an inconsistency on Noah's part. Maybe in ignorance. And I just want to encourage us as dads, let's be consistent. I don't say this to run you down. I don't say this to, to tell you to shape up or ship out. I tell you this is a challenge as men. Let's be consistent in our convictions so that we, like Noah, may save our families and stand together.